All right, it's 1 o'clock in the city, and Nick and the Medusa are coming at you live from downtown, playing all the classic goldies and oldies that keep you rocking. You just got a double take from an old guy walking by. <laughs> he looked back like, what? What the hell is that? Is it like the 1970s? Is that the real Don Steele? K-Earth 101? That was a good impression. Yeah, it's easy to do fake radio announcer voice. <laughs> That's fun, though. I yeah, like it. it's fun. It's a good character. I thought I'd start things off differently now that I've had a nice sip of my hazelnut latte. Or no, it's not a latte. It's an Olay. Is that all it takes for you to get, like, yeah. <laughs> crazy? That's it. Because at lunch you were all... Are you hungry? You're hungry, Because I'm all, you? like, you're so quiet, quiet and brooding and everything like that. I'm like, yeah. I kept, like, making, like, a statement, and you would just be like, uh-huh. You're or all sometimes ex- not even answer, and then yeah. I'd be like, how about this thing? And you're like, hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is weird. I'm just the only one talking, and that's not normal. But also, in my defense, I have um, locked in on your, uh, I don't know, how do we call this, like, you know, and, like, uh, did you ever play Sonic the Hedgehog or Mario? Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'd eat the mushroom and run mm-hmm. around real fast. Uh-huh, okay. Like, if anyone around you ever mentions moving to another state or right. going on any kind of adventure, that's your Mario mushroom power-up <laughs> button. <laughs> what was the Mario line? <laughs> <laughs> and then it would play all fast. That's you if I go. Pretty sure that's what it Things are looking a little grim around here. Might be time to think about Tejas. And you're all, but did it? And you know, did it? Okay, let's discuss. You're jumping up to the cloud level. You're racing across there. You're throwing spit darts at spit fireballs. How can I better research this? Do you have any ideas? Speaking of, I just got an idea. If any of you live in an awesome place that you think is very safe and red state, red pilled, good, safe place, that we might want to have in our back pocket in case we need to get out of California fast if it gets too crazy. Tell us about it. Like, tell us, like, I live in this town, in this state, and it is so awesome, and blah, blah, blah. That's a great way to research right there. And then that would, like, then I can, like, research it more from there. So. Yeah, because it's on the cusp of going seriously sideways here. Yeah. Like, and, and I think a lot of the people, and maybe that's, like, uh, I think a subscriber dropped out yesterday, and basically, you know, like, I, I've come here for your talk about books and... I realize you're crazy. You know, that was the part that he didn't say. <laughs> oh, really? And I'm like, I, I get, like, sometimes I get, like, maybe people might think I'm a little too over the top or too paranoid or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I wonder if you know what L.A. is like and Orange County is like. I mean, like, it's pretty grim, you know. And, like, and remember I said that on the um, the podcast yesterday. I said, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's not that bad in L.A. Sometimes it is. And Belly Dweller made sure to call me this morning as I get out of CrossFit. And even last night, he wrote, it is really bad. Trust me, it's bad. <laughs> and then he proceeded for about an hour to tell me how bad it was. And uh, and, and I was like uh, that uh, uh, meme or whatever it is, gif of Stewie and the dog. And where's, the, Jaws, where's Jaws hits the floor. <laughs> that's like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, and don't forget the article that I happened to see this morning, which just completely went along with the ones that we, the one that we read yesterday, Go the on. ones that we mentioned. Oh, uh, there was another, there was a, um, an armed gunpoint robbery at a hotel in downtown LA 
the Intercontinental and in the Valet area, Valet, Valet area, Valet. <laughs> um, three people were robbed of about a total of $100,000 worth of jewelry at gunpoint. So that was just another one. Like, okay, there's another one. It's like they're happening like every day now. It's kind of crazy. Like, oh, that's the gunpoint robbery of the day. Yeah, exactly. It's it's getting really um, nuts. An interesting uh, side association with the word valet, mm-hmm. valet. If you ever get a chance to see a foreign film, and it's probably one of Gerard Depardieu's last good movies before he kind of got all swole up and big. Yeah. Um, and I think he had some tax problems or whatever. But he made this movie called Vittel. Oh, yeah, that was good. In which he played sort of the master of the house or seneschal for like a feudal lord and it, it's a really actually good movie if you ever yeah. get a chance to see it it's it's pretty cool so i'm i'm kind of surprised that this person that dropped out thought that you i mean i'm not like being mean or anything but just literally i'm surprised like that they thought you would just be talking about your books for like a what four hours a week or so that we yeah. probably talk like yeah. that's a lot of like I don't think there's enough to talk about as much as like you have a lot of books and you're always writing them but like I don't know that there's all that much to say other than like why don't you read the book every time they come out I mean that's about it you could talk yeah. a little bit about it but I don't know if that's enough for a show I'm not that big of a narcissist <laughs> and, and and it's like I know writers who are I could I could point you to some writers who would who would love to uh spend all the time that you possibly have going over the minutiae of their books but you've read the books right i wrote the books sometimes you can ask, ask me a, a question, question or two, yeah. you know but i'm not gonna sit here and and tell you you know all about the wonder of me because i'm not that wonderful <laughs> i'm more interested in kind of like talking about the things that drive me like and just so you all know i have a project coming that's going to sum all this up and i think it's pretty cool just got the cover back on that worked on the book description some early feedback is that people really like it, but everything we've been talking about, I'm turning into a thriller, and I think it's going to be serialized, and so you know that that could be fun for all of us. But that's as much as I do. I think we're all yeah yeah we all like Nick's books. Some of us hate you know like I was I was just in a coffee shop getting this latte this Olay, and there was someone in there reading a book by a person who has totally gamed the science fiction. Um, system based on race and Jemison? I don't know. I don't like to say people's oh, okay. names. <laughs> I know. And that. I just, you know, like the guy like picked it up and he looked at it and he looked around. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's good, but I don't think I'm all that wonderful. Um, I think there are, are really great writers and I enjoy what I do and I love that people read it. But I don't think I should absorb four hours of your time. Uh, just talk. I, that would be the most like. It would be weird. You know what? Uh, a lot of people don't know that Mussolini had a son. I didn't know that. And that son turned into a jazz musician, and you could go see him at a hotel in London where he played Whoa. jazz until the end of his life, which was in the early 2000s or mid 90s. That's so crazy. Mark Stein, who's a political commentator, he went to see him because he's a jazz fan and musical theater fan, uh, really musical theater fan, and um, and. He um, and some buddies, they said, hey, you know, how often are you going to see, you know, a piece of history kind of, you know, that's that's what it is. That's the thing about celebrities is they're kind of like monkeys in cages. You just want to stare at them. And I think they've figured it out and it's weird for them, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they went and 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 Mark Stein said one of the most brilliant things to me 
through the radio that I've ever heard. Um, because it finally clarified this weird thing that would happen for me. And you know who really, really nailed it, really nailed this concept was Chris Farley. When Chris Farley would do his character where he, the nervous interviewer, where he would interview <laughs> people and he'd be like, hey, Paul McCartney, you, you, you were in the Beatles. And he's all, yeah, I was. Like, that's, that's the truth of, like, talking to somebody who does something in the public eye. Like, you've read it, you've listened to the album, whatever. There's really not that much to say unless kind of you're a deep dive aficionado. And he, he said, like, the most boring, Mark Stein said, the most boring conversation you will ever have is with a jazz musician. Because it's kind of true, like, remember when, when you, you did that thing? He's like, yeah, yeah, I did that. That was awesome. That was that was awesome. <laughs> that character is your spirit animal, isn't it? You love that Sadly. character. Sadly. Uh, well, do I love it or you say that I'm like that? <laughs> I don't You're know that like that means that. I love it. You, I mean, I do love that character because it's funny. You love Chris Farley. I do love Chris Farley. Yeah, he's, he, he was would, hilarious. If you were in his life, he would still be alive today. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. He could just be my court jester and make me laugh all the time. Maybe you'd be married. Mm, probably not. Why? Are you are you are you a biggest? No, because I have you in my life. Well, no, I, I obviously this would have gone on before me. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Typical hot girl. She wants a jester, but she doesn't want to pay the piper. <laughs> That's why I said jester. Right. He's my friend. He makes me laugh. But the gesture is usually like, and maybe I could make you laugh and more. <laughs> I don't think and the hot girl's like, nah, that's that. cool. I'm fine with laughter. Oh, <laughs> well, you know better. You're probably I'm the same in the on the flip side of things. In the biggest? I'm the biggest? Mm, yeah. Hmm? You know, I'm just saying there are some people that you might have found nice, but maybe just weren't a good fit for you. Nah, I date anybody. I don't care. I have no <laughs> standards. I don't know about that. If you want to hang out with me, I am surprised. And that and that goes back to the, you know. So the guy dropped, and, and that's fine. Maybe he's still listening or whatever. No heartburns or anything like that. It's just like, if you came here for me to talk about my books and stuff, I'll do that a little bit. I'll teach a little bit about writing. And, and I think I've got some pretty interesting things to say as the year closes out about the world of publishing because I think there's some huge shifts and some things that are happening and a lot of my fellow writers are experiencing sort of this deep ennui of career destruction. I want to I want to kind of talk about that. But for the most part I like to talk about the things that interest me. So the Franklin Children's scandal. Wow, yeah. That got dark. Yeah. Was that so I just Well, came Alex upon... Jones threw up another one yeah. yesterday from 2005 that was a live radio interview that was with the guy who was the senator John Vandekamp or just John DeCamp John DeCamp Vandekamp's was a bakery yeah. in LA <laughs> yeah there's no van in this kid yeah and um he wrote a book about it all and like I mean there was stuff in there that I didn't know now I want to read the book yeah. but there was like I mean some crazy ass stuff yeah. You know, um, and this guy was like super sober. Like, I mean, he was a combat engineer captain in Vietnam. He was involved with the Phoenix program. He had something really interesting to say about that. We're going to post that and, you know, dive in and listen. It was great. Maybe um, 40 minutes or so. But, you know, basically his contention is that William H. Colby, yes, that William H. Colby of the CIA, he got whacked as in killed because of the Franklin thing. 
And he 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 came at Vandekamp or Camp to Camp, and said this is all bull, you know, blah blah blah. And then DeCamp laid out all his court filings and everything like that and showed it to him, and he caught on fire and then began to pursue this post CIA, and ends up dead on a running trail in Washington D.C. Like the trail of bodies are crazy. Did you know Jennifer Flowers said that Bill Bill Clinton had had hundreds of people killed? That that was or I, I thought what they said in the interview was that he had killed at least 100 people, which I took oh, that to mean literally yeah. him, like, yeah. at his hands. But I, don't I know. would take that to mean that he had, had the Arkansas okay. Mafia do it. That would it. make more sense, yeah. Because uh, Clinton doesn't look like a strangler. That's true. He doesn't look like he can commit. You know, like, he, he need, looks like he needs some help. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's probably Even though he's, like, 6'3", and pretty swarthy guy, and big guy, he just he's just too much the southern jelly. He doesn't have that killer instinct. Yeah. Maybe so, but I mean, he's raped women. That's pretty much uh, official, right? And I mean, yeah. that's kind of a hop, skip, and a jump away from that. I that's mean, true. You know, yeah, so that's true. I don't know, but yeah, he could kill children, sure. Yeah. And that's kind of what that whole thing was about. Yeah. What are some of the other things that jumped out to you? Um, let me see if I made let some me notes. entertain you. Um, Boopity boop, boppity bop, bippity bip. Let me entertain you. <laughs> um, well, okay, okay, I know. I mean, this is a more ancillary thing, but I thought he was extra credible because, besides the things that you said, which yes, but um, he went into it thinking it was BS, and yeah. I always find that extra credible. Another example of that is like John Lott's book, More yeah. More Guns, Less Crime. Um, I find that credible because he went into it thinking that he was going to get the opposite, find the opposite when he researched. He thought he was going to find less guns, more crime. Um, but if, if it's someone who's open-minded and honest about the um, information that they find when they're researching something and they're honest, they will flip on their initial prognosis or idea yeah. of what they're going to, of what they think it's going to be about. And I always really respect that because they're not like they're just open to like, I'm open to having my mind change. I thought it was going to be this, but I discovered this. And that was the thing with this. He said, I think they chose me to look into this, like the Republicans, because the Republicans kind of mentioned it to him. Like, we maybe want you to look into this. And he said, yeah, I think that's a bunch of BS. And they were like, great, you're our guy. Like look into it because they thought he was going to debunk it. And then as he looked into it, he discovered things where he was absolutely like, Oh, this is real and uh, i think another interesting thing was all the stuff about johnny gosh's mother he ended up actually being becoming good friends with her he said yeah um and well there was the other weird thing about there was the guy that had the same initials and some people were saying they thought it was johnny gosh as a as an adult it and was he sort like, of advanced that that thing and it turned out gannon was yeah the gannon and it turns out that he was a washington dc call boy and then there's this one like now when people are talking about these things i like to play this game where i jump on wikipedia and see what the official narrative is which if you want to know the story that they want you to believe and remember we've talked about reverse navigation in this just jump onto Wikipedia and see what they're trying to tell you and then believe the opposite Yeah, of that. I was going to say, don't look so on Wikipedia So when you go truth. over to John DeCamp, they don't talk about any of the stuff. They mention the book a little, and uh, they make sure you know it's a conspiracy theory. And then that's very, very little. 
they even get some of his details wrong. They list list him as an infantry officer. He was a combat engineer. Um, they don't talk about his involvement in Phoenix, which he talks about uh, and says that he regrets being involved in, which, if you don't know, the Phoenix program was an assassination program in Vietnam. The United States, not, uh, not really, truly, was not at that time and for a long time was not allowed to have an assassination program. I do believe that Obama actually rescinded that order. Um, so it's interesting the things they get wrong and the things they leave out. You jump over to, it's not, his name was, it was it was not, was it Charles? It wasn't, maybe it was Charles Gannon or well, something. Well, no, because it was the same initials, so it had to start with a J. Well, he also has a real name. Anyways, okay. this guy surfaces and says that he's Johnny Gosh. And it turns out that he ran a gay porn website and was a, was was a like pimp. A gay he was a pimp, like, you know. Whatever. That kind of stuff, all those kind of things. Now, here's where it gets really freaky. Um, there is, I believe there's video that you can see where George H.W. Bush original recipe, George, was it? Was H.W. Bush. H.W. Bush, one. yeah. yeah. Um, calls on him in a white press, White House press, because he, he got press credentials. And the mainstream press was really upset about that because they're like, no one knows who this guy is. No one knows anything about him. Where did he come from? And he surfaces in the middle of an interview uh, or a press briefing, and he gets called on by President Bush. And he asks the most stupid softball question you can possibly ask. And people comment on that. They also comment on Gannon being oddly in a place where he shouldn't be. And then they comment on the fawning nature of H.W. Bush towards this man. Some have likened it, the answer and the response, if you can watch the video or whatever it is. I don't know how it surfaces. I've just had to read about it. It was almost like they said a man looking at his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there there are rumors that, that you know, there were uh, late night call boys being bought, brought to the Bush White House and getting tours and things like that. And then this leads back to Bohemian Grove and then... A person that I've always had an affinity for, at least in his writing style, Hunter S. Thompson, turns up. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. And this is where it gets weird. So, like, a lot of people will say Hunter S. Thompson, and this is something I didn't know, was involved in Bohemian Grove. I have read his books in which he talks about the freaks there and things like that. But you have to remember, Bohemian Grove is a journalism, was originally founded by journalists. Hmm. So... Um, it would not be un- and Northern California journalists and Berkeley specifically. So it would not be unheard of for Thompson to be there, but there are rumors that he directed snuff films and things like that at Bohemian Grove. DeCamp says that that's a rumor. He said he never heard of Hunter S. Thompson, but he did appear in sort of this whole um, Johnny Gosh thing. Now, where it gets freaky is when Gannon surfaces, Thompson kills himself two days later. Yeah. And reports among people who knew Thompson. Now, I just accepted that he killed himself. Foolish me. Because he was because he was a miserable drug addict. And his suicide letter is basically I'm not having fun anymore. And this sucks. And I'm miserable. But he's, you know, you know, he was a narcissistic sociopath. He's self-admitted. So generally, narcissists don't kill themselves. But here's another here's another person involved in the Franklin government, a cover up, and 
Bohemian Grove and everything like that that just suddenly kills themselves two days after the Scannon guy surfaces in bombshells. Now, if you try to kind of Google search like top results, which are all that really matter, they can bury the real results 186,000 deep pages. Um, nothing comes up about Gannon coming out to say he was Johnny Gosh. Um, you know, some like, oh, conspiracy thing or like, but nothing, nothing, nothing hard, nothing concrete, nothing. Uh, and you would think, okay, here is a kid, if you don't know the Johnny Gosh story, who was abducted on a Sunday morning in 1982. And about 20, 20 odd years later, he comes and he's missing. And it's just a terrible thing. And that was a string of child abductions at the time. 20 years later, he shows up at midnight at his mom's house and says he's been given permission to come back and tell his mom what happened to him. He was, you know, abducted into a pedophile ring and all kinds of just really horrible things happened to him. Chuck Gannon says he's the kid. Or Jeff Gannon. Jeff so Gannon. Jeff, Jeff Gannon. Gannon. Not Chuck Gannon. Oh, man, shit. I said there's a really great science fiction writer and I accidentally used his name. He is not this person or anything like that. Jeff Gannon. Jeff Gannon. I, I apologize to that person. And it says, I don't even, I don't know that person, but I know his name and that was wrong. It says that was his Secret Service approved alias, Jeff Gannon. But it says his real name was yeah. James Guckert. But both of those names do have the same initials as Johnny Gosh, which who he ended up saying that he was. But right. that's interesting. So yeah. James so Guckert it or is, Jeff It Gannon. is interesting. But um, so Thompson kills himself two, two days after this guy surfaces. Now... There are other things that at the time when Thompson killed himself, he said he was working on a really big sort of blow up about 9-11. And so now we get into truth or territory. And that is honestly, truth or territory is really the third rail in a lot of stuff because it is a horrible incident. Um, I'm more likely to believe the official story and things like that. But now I'm beginning to have heard enough things that I have concerns. Mm hmm. And I think it's worth at least doing a little bit of investigation and sort of looking at those concerns. And I think one of the things I heard out of last night that was very interesting is that when Bush is airborne, they take him to, it's not, what is it? It was a base, a military it's, base it's in Nebraska. Nebraska. It's a, yeah, everybody knows. It. I forget. It, it wasn't Eckerd. It was something like that. And so it turns out in the Franklin cover-up story that this air base was where they held child auctions. So DeCamp says, well, I don't believe that. He goes, there were the child auctions, 100%. He says some real bombshells in there. And again, credible guy. So I highly encourage if you get a chance this week to, to go ahead and give that a listen. But he says, you know, most likely Bush was taken to that air base because it's in the middle of the United States. And it was the most, you know, we all go back to that time. We all felt pretty vulnerable and everything like that. So, yeah, I can believe that they took Air Force One to that base. I'm cool with that. Where I have a hard time that's very interesting. And these are two threads I need to research. And I do believe, like Tiffany Dover, it's the threads that are going to undo everything. Because it's so often if you, you what you learn in military inspections or financial accounting or auditing or forensic anything, it's it's rare that you're going to find the smoking gun and the big conspiracy and the men in hoods in the room and you turn in and blah, 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 eyes wide shut. It's usually the, the threat. And that's why smart people like my mom say follow the money, you know, um, because that's the thread that's going to tell you exactly what's going on. In the in the in in the vaccine and what that's all about, 
I think it's Tiffany Dover is the threat. I think it just proves a willful cover-up that they knew the vaccine was killing people, killed someone right in front of everybody visibly, and then it's it's bad enough to do that. And it would have been bad enough just to obscure the story and never say anything about it again. But instead, they constructed a deception to make everyone think that she was okay. They involved the hospital. They involved the medical staff. They involved other people in deceiving the entire United States that the vaccine did not kill that woman. And I think one day, if that can be known and proved, that that might be, it's sometimes the little things that destroy things. It's sometimes the accounting that gets the Al Capone. So I think that's a big thing. But I think the thread that I found last night in the 9-11 thing that I need to kind of look at, because again, I'm more prone to believe the main story share my Olay here with the Medusa was the fact that on the morning of 9-11 after Bush was secreted away to the airfield, they had some kind of huge meeting with the top 100 CEOs in America. Well, that's where they were, which is the interesting Yeah, they, they were so already there, was, suppose, at Ofoot Air Force yeah, Base. Yeah, in like yeah. adjacent so to Bellevue. why were the they already there? I mean, that, that takes a lot to... Just, I mean, like, let's just look at like most CEOs on a Tuesday morning were busy running their companies. Now, um, they said uh, th- some of them were supposed to be at the right. World I'm going to get there. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why were all of them there in the middle? Well, they could have been there for Warren Buffett's financial big conclave that he does, where he breaks down his earnings and things like that. Anyways, that's interesting because it takes a lot to get an aircraft ready and fueled and an air crew on standby, even if you have all those things on standby, in that kind of crisis situation, how did everybody suddenly end up there? Yeah. And I think you could speak to that because you were in an aviation family. So I think you can speak well, well to I that. Well, I like... can speak to it in saying that it's odd. Yeah, It's exactly. odd. And then the second thing is, at the same time, Warren Buffett had arranged a meeting on the morning of 9-11 for a bunch of other CEOs to be at the Twin Towers in the big, I think, restaurant up there or something like that. So um, that seems odd. So why why would you be holding a meeting in Nebraska with other CEOs but then arranging another meeting in New York? Maybe you were doing a teleconference. I guess I understood it differently. I thought it was that some of the ones that ended up being there at that meeting in Nebraska for some reason were supposed to have been in at at the World Trade Center, but instead they ended up being at that Nebraska meeting and magically not being in the World Trade Center thing. But is that you thought they actually were there and they got killed? My guess is that the ones that they wanted were at in business war with in competition mm. were sent to Ground Zero. Wow. And the ones that were going to profit from the coming war were the ones that were arranged in Nebraska. That is a very very, um, Eastern promises type thing to do. So I don't know. Those are two interesting threads that I would like to pull on and see if they are, you know, pucky or to see if there's any truth in that. Because if there's truth in that, then that's odd to me. That's very odd to me. And, And it's the oddities and the irregularities in the financial ledger that are going to tell us in the ledger of all things that are going to, because we can't find the truth now. The internet obscures the truth. Mm -hmm. 
the media obscures the truth. There is a war on the truth. The truth tellers are assassinated. And when you look at the Franklin, Franklin cover-up, the amount of people who meet with injury and death surrounding it is statistically impossible, including John DeCamp in the end. Um, gets into a head-on collision, and as someone said, he was one of the sharpest minds I ever met. After the collision, Alzheimer and dementia set in, and his mind is destroyed. What happened to him in that hospital after the head-on collision? Head-on collision could have been an accident. It's very easy, actually, to stage head-on collisions even on icy roads, which is what happened in cars that suddenly turn out in front of you, which is what happened. But then a medication program, protocol, programming could have begun to destroy his mind. Exactly. And then, this morning, you discovered... Because we don't stop here at Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast. (laughs) It's 24-hour crazy. (laughs) You discovered on Goodreads. Goodreads, yeah. You were reading. Because, well, I discovered that last night because I, I, I want to now, I have been convinced now to read John DeCamp's book, um, The Franklin Cover-Up. And if you go just by the Goodreads, and remember, Goodreads is a hot-bedded, you know, like, you go look up my my books on Goodreads, I, I get pretty roasted there. Very leftist and everything like that. This book is rather well-reviewed. Um, I have concerns. Because in the last interview I heard, he only mentions updating a 2005 edition. Now there's a 2011 edition. His accident happens in 2011. I'm concerned that the CIA could have put in an alternate edition Mm -hmm. in which um, certain facts were obscured. I'll go with whatever edition I can get my hands on, but I'd like to get a 2005 edition. Yeah. I kind of tried to look around for him, and it's kind of funny how you can't find him. So we'll see. We'll see. I know some book collectors that can hunt it down for me, maybe. So there we are with that. We have that. And on the top Goodreads is a person who really got into the book and really liked it. And they posted some links to YouTube videos. And especially, mainly, she said, um, her name was Magritte. You kind of have to expand her review to see these things. And she talks about this uh, Netherlands banker. Is Belgium Netherlands? No, Belgium. I thought it was... um, Uh, No. Where's Amsterdam? Yeah, he's from the Netherlands. Dutch. 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 This Dutch banker... Holland. um, Who basically got in deep with the the sort of new world order that's being installed. He got... He was laundering money for Iraq and, and the whole kind of thing that was going on there. And he basically got to the circle of where there's about 8,000 to 8,500 people running the world. And he talks about some very interesting things. We'll post the beginning of his interview there because we had to find him. Anyways, he began, he, he had a, he had a come to Jesus moment or he had, he had a very shocking moment. And in the interview we'll post, he really talks about it. It's pretty bad. Um, but it starts with this really crazy thing that elites do. And they sometimes do it to their, their bloodline or children early on, and it's called the Heart of Stone Ceremony. Catherine Austin Fitz has mentioned that. Did he mention that? He called it put your heart in a in a 1,000-degree freezer. Yeah, 100-degree. 100-degree, 100, you know, whatever it is. So a little bit of a language translation. Yeah. But it's basically um, what he says with the, the sort of globalist elites, and I think we this it's a, it's a really great interview, and it begins to give you some clues to the mindset because all of this stuff is there. But what he talks about is to begin to serve them and what Franklin is all about. 
And what are all these machinations and dark ceremonies and all these things that they do and all the really jacked up stuff is it's about training yourself to become a sociopath or even a psychopath. And once you do these things, you are considered made in, in that the, they've assessed you as someone who will do whatever it takes to accomplish their will and you will have a seat at the table. And they kind of warned him about this up front. They said, listen, I forget what he said. Like, if you start on this, you can't go back. And it's really tough. And he said, you know, I was young and I was making money and I just kind of blew him off. I didn't really think it was what it what it was. And I thought I could control it. And so then he got deeper and he started going to their ceremonies, which he says flat out. He goes, I went. It's a joke because, you know, he goes, I'm, you know, intelligent and science and reason. And he goes, they worship the devil. They really do. And he goes, but there was a lot of sexual escapades and naked women. And he thought that was what his words were amusing. And then when it got to killing children and doing those things, that's when he finally had this sort of like crisis of conscience. And he realized that he failed the test of becoming a sociopath. And they sort of let him out through torture my guess is that they let him out because in some way shape or form he still controlled some sort of financial machinations for them and so it wasn't convenient to kill him but they put him through enough torture to remind him hey you ever cross us this and 10 times worse is going to happen you've got to research more of his story anyways he's dead now Yeah. yeah he's ended up dead at 61 years old. At 61 years old, he went hiking in Florida, and and they and he even had a phone, and he called 911, and he said, "Hey, I'm kind of lost." And then he ended up. They found him face down in a puddle of water, water, in shallow water, where yeah. he he died. It's amazing. Like here's another one. It's amazing the amount of people that go to parks and running trails and in the woods and end up killing themselves or dying, but are connected to the Clintons in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And this this is actually another one. So we'll post those. I think it's very interesting. Um, His name is Ronald Bernard or Bernard. Bernhardt. (laughs) Some just says Bernard and some say Bernard with a T. Ronald? Ronald, Ronald, Ronald. They would say Ronald Bernhardt, but the uh, the Dutch is a softer German, mm-hmm. so they might pronounce it softer. Yeah, it's not like Hitdeutsch. Nein. So it's uh it's pretty wild, pretty interesting. It's it's dangerous at home, it's dangerous in the streets nearby. Um, there there does you know I mean it's weird, it's amazing how these stories keep coming up from multiple different sources, you know? It's like if you were the principal of a school and a little boy told a lie, you would go, well, that's, you know, or told you a fantastic story. You know, there's there's a wizard out behind the backstop. You know, you'd be like, okay. Obviously, he's a little boy. Obviously, big he's big imagination. He's making up things. He's That little boy is a liar. Let's put him in creative writing. <laughs> But if a little girl comes and says, there's a wizard beyond the backstop, yeah, well, maybe the little boy has infected the little girl with, you know, the fantasy. And then teacher comes and says, hey, there's a wizard out behind the backstop. You know, and more and more people begin to tell you that there's a wizard out behind the backstop. It does, as fantastic as that seems, become over time worth considering as the truth. That there is indeed a wizard out behind the backstop whether you want to agree with that or that fits with your belief system about wizards 
you know, I don't know. And that's kind of where I am at to a greater extent is that I would have never believed any of this stuff except from multiple independent sources, the same stories of secret societies, harm to children, satanic rituals, tunnels under city, political power and favors being traded. All of these things keep surfacing from people who keep dying. And, and these people are also very intelligent, very successful, very credible. You know, they're not just like wacko person in their basement. You know what I mean? They, It's like, that makes it more believable. Yeah. Is their backgrounds and their intelligence level. So we thank those of you who have remained with this horribly boorish political theory and conspiracy thing podcast in which we download the insanity inside our minds. Forgive us for not talking more about ourselves and our books and going on and making you, you know, acting like my book changed your life and it was the greatest thing you ever read. When in reality, most readers just read books and they're daring you to be entertained like the MK MK Jemison guy in there. I can't I can't say he's an MK Jemison fan. He's probably giving her a tryout. He's probably not from the attitude of reading that I saw 100% on board. Go figure. I don't know. But too many writers in my profession make the leap to judgment that it's just because someone read your book, they like you, they think you're the savior, they, uh, you know, like all the things that the homecoming queen rejected you over, they feel are, are made, are made, are made invalid because you bought their book. It's not, it's just, you read a book, you know, and it's not that big of a deal. I'm, I'm not curing cancer. I'm just writing about robots and bounty hunters and undead and you know rangers and all this kind of stuff that's just fun you know and and i'm just trying to entertain you from the constant horror show that life is becoming lately and and so then i think i think these things are worth talking about and interesting so i do appreciate all of those of you who have stayed with us and uh, we look forward to the next podcast that is it for us today We're going to go have some pizza later tonight. That's the podcast.